Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings and one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Um, so, uh, I, quick question, Aaron. Have you, you haven't managed to see uh, Guardians Volume 3 yet, right? It's been kind of a crazy week. A crazy, yeah, it's been crazy. We've been on the road. We've had other issues to take care of, so I haven't been able to get to a theater yet. Mm-hmm. However, I did get to see one episode of the uh, Muppets, the the Electric Mayhem. Oh, and I love it more than words can say. So I will end up shouting uh, throughout mm-hmm. the uh, the episode as Animal Nora. Wow. And you'll get it when you see it. Okay. But uh, wonderful, wonderful show. Can't wait to finish okay, it. Okay, okay. That makes me happy in and of itself. I mean, you <laughs> I know. know. Right? All right. Well, I, okay. I, and I have managed to see Guardians Volume 3. Nancy and I went out yesterday afternoon. And I understand, you know, how certain listeners don't want things to be spoiled. And more to the point, Aaron hasn't seen the movie yet. So we will gingerly step to the minefield today and try to keep this a spoiler light show. But let's go to the actual news that's been out uh, in the entertainment press. Opening weekend for Guardians originally was supposed to be somewhere around $120 domestic. First news that came out about North American ticket sales put this James Gunn film slightly under that. I want to say at 114, but then within 24 hours, other theaters had checked in and it was like, okay, we're really at 118 in, in North America. So it's where it's supposed to be, Aaron. Overseas, on the other hand, currently sitting at 205 million, and that's just after five days in the box office, which Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, after 82 days at the box office, worldwide only made $261 million. So that's got to make the folks at, at Marvel somewhat happy that they're basically four-fifths of what Quantumania made, you know, over 82 days. Volume 3 has done in five. Folks at Disney were quick to cite earlier this week that thanks to Guardians Volume 3 doing so strongly at the box office, it put Disney over $2 billion in ticket sales worldwide for the year to date. That puts them on a pace to have a really extraordinary year. And if you know about the other stuff that's headed our way, whether it's the the Little Mermaid live action or Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, it's looking to be a strong summer. And Mr. Iger was doing his, his uh, quarterly earnings call today. And, and when he wasn't going after Ron DeSantis, he was mentioning that we're very strongly positioned coming ahead here. And part of that is on the strength of how the parks are doing. Did you see over the weekend that Mantis is now appearing at the Disney parks as a walk-around character? 
I have not seen yeah. that. So uh, they've got to give her a little prosthetic little antennae they, and such and, and makeup. Do they give her big eyes? How do they well, give big that, eyes? That, I, I'm <laughs> thinking based on what they showed, it was contacts. And yes, they do have the little prosthetics. The more interesting thing, and again, I apologize, folks. We're, we're heading into the minefield here, and I'm, I'm going to be careful. But given the way... Well, I guess I guess I'm, what I'm asking here is from folks who have been to Disney California Adventure, which is where Mantis has begun appearing as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy awesome dance-off show, which is held in front of the Mission Breakout show building. I want to ask from folks who've been in the park you know, over the past week or so, is Mantis replacing Gamora as the co-host of the show or does Gamora show up because given what goes on in the most recent James Gunn film I would kind of understand if if Gamora was now not the host mm, I'm yeah. gonna get in trouble here if I go any further well we know so, that uh, McDonald's didn't have a Gamora toy so we'll just assume a thing a thing I, I don't know a what thing. a thing is but a thing okay cool that works for me all right the the other thing both David Batista and Zoe Saldana have been very straightforward about the fact that this third film in the series, I'm done. I really enjoyed working with James Gunn, and given our respective character arcs, we're putting this in the review. Now, franchise does not necessarily mean we'll never see another Guardian ever again. It just means, you know, they could show up in, you know, Secret Wars or some other Marvel movie, just not necessarily a Guardians. And even if we did get another Guardians, uh, we know that the Guardians can get swapped out the way Avengers get swapped out. So maybe a different incarnation of Guardians will come in the future. You know how when you went to a James Bond film mm, yep. in the, the 70s and the 80s, there was a, an end title that would tell you that 007 will return in Man with a Golden Gun or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> I, what do we I get at the end of Guardians? Did they say they would be back or they just say, get out of the theater, we're done? <laughs> there is an end title that says the fabulous Star-Lord will return. It just goes back to the point of they could show up in mm -hmm. uh, an Avengers thing or a different Marvel thing. So... So we know that Star-Lord is sticking around somehow, mm -hmm. some way. That's fine. That's cool. Chris Pratt talked about the fact that potentially my character is coming back. And it's just like, it would be strange to continue Star-Lord's story without James Conn. He's done a masterful job with the first three films. We really found Peter Quill's voice together. And without him, I obviously would have never had this opportunity. He writes it, directs it, he dreams of the music. It's all his imagination up on screen. So to continue to tell the story, it would be really important to honor what he's done mm -hmm. with these first three films and to, to honor what the fans have grown to love about the character and not simply do it because people might show up to pay for it. So he said, don't want to be cynical in the approach. And if that's the case, I, I just wouldn't do it at all. But... Maybe down the road, if something makes sense, I would do it, but it would really have to check a lot of boxes. So what are we thinking? Secret Wars? Well, obviously, that's one of the top ones. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you've got the Kang Dynasty that's going to lead up to that. Uh, so, well, let's see. I don't think we have too many other spacey type Mm -hmm. uh, heroes outside of the Marvels, but I think we've got the three girls in that story, and I don't think we need a Peter Quill showing up there. I'm just nope. trying to think of other space-type scenarios where he could show up. I mean, if he's off in space somewhere, that does kind of put him far out of reach for a, a quick cameo. 
You're going to need a, a, a real uh, reason or purpose story-wise to bring him back, especially without the rest of the Guardians, right? Okay, we're going to put a pin in this right okay. <laughs> until you see the movie. And right, more to the point, until right. a lot of other people have seen the movie. And then, then we'll talk about where Peter is, where the Guardians are, and so on and so forth. Okay. So, okay, so there's the good news. Bad news is we were talking on last week's show, given the way that Marvel Studios works, you know, the, the whole shoot, you cut the movie together, you look at it, you see what's missing, you write some new scenes, you shoot some more, you cut it together again, rinse, lather, repeat. It's been a very successful formula for Marvel for years, you know, since 2008. In fact, shortly, we're, we're going to get back to that post-credit scene for the original Iron Man. But the problem is right now that the other guilds, the other unions are starting to honor the Writers Guild. And, you know, there are folks who are just not willing to cross picket lines at this point, even for things that are already pre-written. And some of these, not a surprise. I mean, I don't know if you saw the story in the past week that Marvel's Blade reboot has now been put on hold. And we could be months before this Mahershala Ali project, which has been delayed repeatedly over the past six months, now goes before the camera. That does make a bit of sense because it was like just only a few weeks ago that you had brought up that they had hired a new writer. This yeah. is before the writer's strike, right? right? Now, if you're going to hire a new writer, who in the heck knows what they might change? They yeah. know that there's a problem and they and they need to fix and they hire the writer. What if the writer changes the set piece? You don't want to build a huge elaborate set and then find out six months later, oh, darn, they wrote that out and changed it entirely. So, I mean, to shut down pre-production, especially during a writer's strike, you know, you can't make any forward progress. You don't know what the guy's going to come up with. Yeah, I mean, that that does make a bit of sense, financially speaking, even, because you don't want to invest money that ends up, you know, coming to naught for mm. for a, a result. Yeah, now, now, on the other hand, Daredevil born again. They've been shooting for two months at this point. And they are two months into an eight-month-long shoot, and they just shut down production. Scripts are written, but this was a union situation. It's like we had guys picketing outside, and we're in solidarity with that union. We're you know, union folks didn't cross the line, so that got shut down. The question now is, what happens next? Wonder Man, which has been shooting in Los Angeles since April, so far has been able to dodge the bullet. You know, for some reason or other, the picketers haven't been able to get at where they, they've been shooting. And so work has continued. By the way, we have our first synopsis for the show. It uh, just leaked in the past couple of days. It's Wonder Man gives a superhero's perspective of the entertainment industry, centering on a Hollywood stuntman, an actor trying to make it big in the movies. The direct, first of all, they, they put this info out there. Secondly, they are reporting that Josh Gad may be making his MCO debut with Wonder Man. So I think at some far off point, Aaron, we're going to have to invite Josh on the show just so he can confirm your theory about the Marvel Studios snipers. Okay. <laughs> I'll uh, give him a little survival kit, you know, a little uh, to cut through the, the mask that they put over his head so he can breathe properly if he says too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and again, there's obviously a couple of other 
projects out that that are continuing to shoot uh agatha coven of chaos likewise captain america new world order uh, by the way rumor that may get a new subtitle but hmm. same thing these two projects could be shut down at any time by union members opting to honor the wga picket line so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes Anyway, uh, lots more news to follow, folks. But as always, the news portion of this week's show, uh, Marvelous Disney, is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, following up on a few more things we discussed in last week's show, we talked about how uh, Adam Driver now appears to have the inside track when it comes to playing Reed Richards in Marvel Studios' uh, Fantastic Four reboot and Forbes, which I, I love that they're citing as their primary source, My Time to Shine Hello, I, which I, I guess is a news site, could be a podcast, hard to say, but Forbes is confirming this news uh, to the effect if it's done, Adam Driver is our Reed Richards and they're supposed to start shooting in January in London, unless the writer's strike gets resolved. Any opinions on Adam Driver is uh, playing Reed? Is that a, a casting decision where you say, oh boy, or is that one where you say, oh no? How do you feel? We were talking not six months ago about how Adam was under consideration for Doctor Doom. I mean, obviously it was too close to Kylo Ren. So, it was. Yeah, it we'll was. On, yeah. It was. But he would have really made a great Doctor Doom. I'm thinking of John Hamm just because of, you know, you, you scar someone that's so handsome and make him so hideous that he just can't live with himself. That seems like a, a John Hamm type of ego role that he could really sink his teeth into. But wow. there's so many people that could put on the mask. It's just when I see a drawing of Reed mm. Richards in the comic books mm -hmm. and then I look at a picture of Adam Driver, I don't see the I mean, they don't have to look the same at all, but I just don't see that person living with inside of Adam Driver. Now, he's a talented actor. He could make anything come to life. I'm certain he would do a fantastic job. It's just he needs the haircut. Are they going to dye the sideburns a little gray? What are they going to do with them to put him into that look, right? Mm. Little things. I, I, it's it's geeky of me, I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say he's a bad choice at all. I'm, I'm going to wait until I see actual video of him performing before I actually am able to make a real decision about whether I like him as a casting choice or not. It just took me a little bit by surprise because I never would have imagined him as Reed. It wasn't all that long ago we were hearing, you know, the notion was start with Sue Storm and then build right. out from there. But I guess you do what you do. So, and speaking of writers, and we talked on last week's show about the end credits or the post credit scene for the original Iron Man and Samuel L. Jackson's initial appearance as Nick Fury. And comic book legend Brian Michael Bendis revealed just in the past week how back in 2008, he was recruited at the very last minute by Kevin Feige to write the dialogue for this scene. As Bendis explained, he said, I got a call from Kevin who said, Samuel L. Jackson is showing up tomorrow to do a favor. He's just showing up and we're going to wing it. And so Feige then turns to Bendis and says, do you have time to write anything? <laughs> and so comic book writer says, yes. But his memory was of this opportunity. It's just like, write everything you can think of. So he, he stayed up all night and he said, 
it, it was kind of a writer's puzzle. I, I wrote a couple of pages down. I wrote every serious thing you can think of and then every dumb thing you can think of. So the idea is that to be there on the set and to give Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson some options. And so there was one version that Bendis dreamed up of the post credit scene for the original Iron Man. The idea is you set up Iron Man as public enemy number one. And Nick Fury is, you know, was supposed to say, I'm here to shut you down. You're done. There's no Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Fade to black. On the other hand, there was the version of the ending, which sped up the whole Avengers initiative thing to the effect of that Nick Fury would have said, welcome to the Avengers. And then that would have hit the ground running. Though he gave all the pages to Feige on the set and Feige opted to go with what eventually was filmed. And and to Bendis's way of thinking, it's like, it was a good choice. It It's a good cliffhanger. You leave the movie thinking about the story told and you're creating what you might you think might be the next story. And, you know, the takeaway is the credits show a world of imagination beyond what the audience was just shown. And it, it isn't that what the movies are all about. So I love that he popped the hood on that particular moment in the movie, just as, as you and I were talking about it. I have a feeling that that uh, Feige had chosen Brian Michael Bendis specifically because, uh, you know, Brian was the one that started the Marvel Ultimates line with, oh. you know, Ultimate Spider-Man and mm. the, the Avengers were renamed the Ultimates for that mm. that line. But that was the first time we got a black Nick Fury that mm. looked like Sam Jackson was during that run, and and Brian gets credit for that. So I think maybe when they're like, hey, we're looking at bringing in a Nick Fury, Mm. and then they go, hey, you know what? We've got this uh, comic book line Mm. that has a Samuel L. Jackson looking, and Mm. that was why they hired Sam, Mm -hmm. was because of the way that the character was portrayed in the Ultimates line. Mm -hmm. So I think they went back to, you know, straight to the horse on that one and go, hey, Brian, you gave us a great Nick Fury by imaging him as Samuel L. Jackson. Guess what? We just hired the the man himself. What do you say you put some words in his mouth one more time, just like you did in the comics? What do you say, buddy? Okay. Well, speaking of putting words in his mouth, Bendis evidently was a fan of Sam's work and the infamous snakes on a plane. And evidently there was one page of possible dialogue to the effect of, again, that this would have really blown the, uh, the the rating for the original Iron Man, but basically it was Nick Fury turning to, to Tony Stark and getting, get that mother-effing armor off your mother-effing body. <laughs> but evidently, you know, that, that that was more done to just amuse the folks on the set. It's like, you know, yep. we kind of acknowledge it, that Sam's the snakes on the plane guy. But we were just talking about Samuel Jackson doing such a great job with, with Nick Fury and and remember, it wasn't all that long ago that people uh, were praising Jonathan Major's work as, as Kang in Quantum Mania, and we're still in that gray area as to what happens next here. And in fact, uh, just this past week, on the heels of the March 25th arrest, Jonathan Majors appeared in a lower Manhattan court via Zoom. And basically, what was going on here is the case was continued. Their lawyers on, on both sides are still prepping. It looks like at this point, it, it won't be till June the 13th till we know what's going on here. And I just, I know there's a, a, a lot of folks at, at Disney and Marvel 
that want this resolved one way or the other. Because even with the, the Writers Guild, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike. And uh, just to uh, circle back to CinemaCon, the follow-up on, you know, folks have begun talking about what they saw in the big room and the footage that hadn't made it out to the world yet. And for the Sony presentation, people just cannot stop talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It, it looks like the exhibitors there came away like, oh, this is going to make so much damn money this summer. And, you know, and they're excited that it's the first of two that you know people will be compelled to come back to. So the exhibitors are solidly in the corner for this sequel of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. On the other hand, Craven the Hunter, there are a number of exhibitors who are just genuinely concerned about this first truly R-rated entry from Spunk, the, what is it, the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters. And I, they were looking at this and it's like, you know, I know everybody's talking about how this is supposed to be like Venom, only with more of an edge. And the fear is it really looks more like Morbius. That's an insult, Jim. You should take that back. Those are harsh words. Yeah. How dare you? That's well, just mean. How dare you yeah. call someone a Morbius movie? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where we are right now. So, it, I mean, and again, the thing that, that's frustrating about this, in fact, the number of stories about Marvel and, the, and how the WGA thing really is tripping up how uh, Marvel Studios typically works. And you know, for example, Kelly Marcel, the, the woman who wrote the first two Venom movies, and, and by the way, is, is slated now, she's written the script, she's slated to direct Venom 3. But she was telling the story about how when you work with a Tom Hardy, he's a guy who really likes to ad-lib, and they collaborated on the set. So do you remember in the first a uh, Venom movie, there was a scene in the restaurant where Eddie Brock climbed into the tank with the lobsters. Yep. That was Tom Hardy. I mean, that was something they came up with on the set. And, and Marcel flat out said the lobster day was utter, utter chaos. But the thing is, when you work on a Marvel movie, you have four and five days like that, typically. That's where the joy and the fun and the madness of the movie comes from. But they were a month into shooting Spider-Man No Way Home. It was only then they made the deal to bring in Tobey Maguire and, and Andrew Garfield. So they started rewriting the, the third act of the movie to bring in the two other Spider-Men. And when you're this loosey-goosey about the sort of, you know, of the films you're, you're making and, and looking for the fun or taking advantage of opportunities of actors that are suddenly available and to now be in a situation where there's a writer's grill strike and, you know, pencils down, you know, just, you cannot mm -hmm. do this. It's going to be hard for Marvel to be Marvel going forward here. I think there's a lot of filmmakers that have actually kind of changed their habits a bit. Mm -hmm. and matter of fact, it was just today I saw a, a quick interview clip between Ben Affleck and David Fincher mm -hmm. about directing movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ben Affleck's whole thing was, you know, some actors 
they get paranoid because you'll do a take and the director will go, okay, let's do two more. Mm-hmm. And the actor's like, what did I do wrong? What, what, do, you, what do you want more of? What, what did I miss? And it's mm-hmm. like, you didn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And, he, and there's this discussion between Ben and, and David about, you know, a director has a vision in their mind and some people get so beholden to it mm-hmm. that if you don't get it exactly, we've got to keep going and going and going. But then, like in Ben's case, he will shoot exhaustively. Looking for something that maybe he didn't think of, letting the actor have a chance to bring something fresh to the table, mm-hmm. and so he'll do multiple takes. And, and some actors just really get uh, self-conscious, like I'm not doing a good job. And it's like, no, we're taking the ropes off of you. We're taking the chains off to let you explore the character and find something that we may not have thought of before. And uh, you know, David kind of had an agreement to this whole, you know, we we plan for the best, but we have to allow ourselves to discover in a moment. And I think that, you know, Marvel, you know, adopted that early on and they really, you know, made it part of their structure and how they make a movie. But I think other people have looked at the success of Marvel and go, what the heck are they doing that's so different from us? And and that may be one of those things where obviously you've got a budget to, you know, be beholden to. Yep. But you also have to do your best to, to always bring the best product at the end of the day. And sometimes that requires an extra shot. Yeah, though conversely, though, you know, when you're someone who's used to the Marvel process, I mean, take, for example, actress Elizabeth Olsen. She was beginning to work on a Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Mantis. And she'd had such a good experience on WandaVision that, you know, and she was so looking forward to being the test case for, you know, we're going to step out of the, the limited series and go straight into the movie. And here's that amazing piece of connective tissue. Mm-hmm. And she's reading the initial script for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And she gets on the set and it's like, guys, I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself here. A lot of the arc that you have Wanda going through in this film, we already resolved in WandaVision. And the writers were like, I'm really sorry you feel that way, but when we were working on this, you hadn't finished WandaVision yet. We haven't seen it. And it was one of these things they had to kind of fix on the fly because it's like, Mm -hmm. we've already addressed this. But it's like we have this whole movie that's written about this character working her way through her grief and, you know, chasing her children across multiple dimensions. And it's like, didn't we already do this? You know, so... And speaking of, uh, didn't we already do this? You know, per usual at this point in the show, Aaron and I are going to step away while a couple of ads are in. And, and then when we get back, we're going to circle back on the whole Scarlett Johansson Black Widow situation. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before I forget, we were talking a little bit uh, top of the show about how folks go to DCA. They can catch a what appears to be a new updated version of the Guardians of the Galaxy awesome dance-off show, which may now be built around Star-Lord and Mantis. On the other side of the planet, 
at Shanghai Disneyland, they are going to do their first ever Marvel event of size, the Marvel Fan Fest. And they mentioned as part of this several week long celebration, they're going to have the people to get the chance to show off their heroic dance moves in, in Tomorrowland section of the park, which sounds to me like the Guardians dance show is headed there as well. There's also going to be also lots of Marvel themed merchandise and food and beverage. They have a Marvel themed meet and greet that's been part of the theme park for two years now, three years. Mind you, it's set up in a, a giant tent that's, I want to say, just across the way from Meet Mickey. But they appear to be testing the waters about Marvel having a much bigger presence in Shanghai. And long term, uh, it'll be interesting to see which characters show up over there. And whether Black Widow or Hawkeye or Captain America will be in the mix. And uh, toward that end, Scarlett Johansson has been in the news the past week or so. And she was just recently talking about how last month on the sly, she and Chris Evans made a trip out to Los Angeles just to visit with Jeremy Renner. And Scarlett, you know, as part of this interview said, I was honestly so effing happy to see him. I didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. But to not only see him again, but also see him thriving and in such an amazing space mentally. Did you see he was on Instagram again this week with another one of his videos for his recovery? And I'm beginning to wonder, are, are we going to see a, a series of Jeremy Renner exercise videos coming out on the heels of this? Well, I, I was thinking he might be a, a new spokesperson for SlimFast. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Again, he's okay. We can make poor taste no, jokes. We can. <laughs> but it's just sort of like, you know, the, well, I mean, but, but if you think about it, what is the Jeremy Renner makeover program going to be? You know, step one, get crushed by a seven-ton snowcat. And as you're recovering from your 30 broken bones, you know, you become your your best possible person. I'm just kind of fascinated by this. It could be a great book called Rebuilding Renner or something like that. I mean, all oh. seriousness about how he actually recovers and, mm -hmm. and the steps that he had to take to, uh, I mean, you know, physical therapy is going to be tough no matter what, oh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's going to be a, a, a real challenge and the fact that he's doing as well as he is is a great sign, but still, um, the, the man's got to have fortitude and, and the inner willpower and, and to not give up uh, and, and to go through all that. Um, I'm sure he's probably going to end up telling the story of, of the accident and the recovery in a more, more full-form type of way because, mm -hmm. you know, it's public interest. People are curious about what happened, how he recovered, you mm -hmm. know, the things that he went through along with that. And it could be a very inspiring story, you know, of, of you know, the, the grit of the human spirit. All true. All true. Uh, though what was kind of interesting is Scarlett shared, when she learned about it, she was actually on the set of Project Artemis, a movie she's making for Apple with, with Channing Tatum, and woke up in the morning and you know heard this story about him being killed in a snowball accident in Tahoe. So she learned about it on the Avengers text chain, which, by the way, this includes Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, of course, Jeremy Renner, but also Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, and Mark Ruffalo. 
they are still, you know, this many years after rapping Endgame, you know, that they're still in each other's lives. You know, I want to just say the cast of Lord of the Rings got tattoos, by the way. Uh, just having a text chain doesn't have the same commitment as getting a tattoo. But okay, I, I'm glad that they're all still chatting together and have their own real Avengers group. It's cool. Now, speaking of Mr. Hansen being in the press the past week or so, the Disney lawsuit came up. And and I remember it was three years ago this week that Black Widow was originally supposed to arrive in theaters. But again, we all remember what happened in March of, of 2020. Black Widow first got pushed off to November of that year. In fact, it got pushed into what would originally was supposed to be the Eternals release date. And then again, in the fall of that same year, 2020, Black Widow's release date then got pushed to May 7th of the following year. And then in March of 2021, it finally got pushed to the date it actually came out, which was June 9th of 2021. But remember, that was that weird hybrid release where you could pay a fee and watch it on Disney Plus, or you could go and see it in theaters. And she reveals it in this interview she did with Variety, she's like this crazy Disney super fan. Evidently, there, there was a two-year period where her family lived in Florida and they had annual passes to Walt Disney World and they went all the time. And Scarlett, when she did this interview with Variety, mentioned that she had just gotten back from Walt Disney World with 15 of her friends. So she still... You know, right there is an advertising campaign for Disney that you just cannot pay enough money for. It's like, hey, you want to go to Disney World? By the way, good chance you might spot Scarlett Johansson while you're here. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But they finish making Black Widow. Scarlett then becomes pregnant uh, with her son, Cosmo. And all of this, you know, and they're, they're pushing off... Wait a minute, they named, her, they named her kid after the dog from Guardians? I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and she's a real fan. She's a real fan. <laughs> okay, but on the advice of Robert Downey Jr., you know, she got them agreeing to when the film makes it past a certain point that you get profit participation. And, and then, of course, putting it on Disney Plus undermines what the theatrical numbers were going to be. And Scarlett was like, you know, I've made eight of these movies for you guys. I honored my end of it. And you guys right. got to hold up your end. And Disney initially was talking out of both sides of its mouth. For example, it was bragging to Wall Street that because Black Widow had been a Disney Plus premium offering that you, you paid like $19 to get, you know, to see Black Widow at home. That they had, over just one weekend, raised $60 million off of that. On the other hand, because it had been released theatrically and on Disney+, Plus and didn't make the financial threshold of what they previously agreed on, they were now thumbing their nose. They were going to renege on her end of the back end. And so Scarlett ends up doing the thing that is unthinkable for a Disney superfan. She sues the company. And Disney, in turn just came back at her. Do you remember how they, they were talking about her callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged, well, you know? It's, it wasn't Disney. It was Chapek. Yeah, right? Well, and we know what happened to that guy. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we have to, uh, you know, 
it separate the bad apples from the basket holding the bad apple. Uh, you know, the Disney company had uh, had an apple that was on top that wasn't the greatest. Yeah. But yeah, I totally remember all of that. So what's the the new skinny? Anything new developing out of that? Or is she talking more about it? I, she described herself, I was heavily pregnant with Cosmo. So I was sad and disappointed that Disney was doing this. On the other hand, her agent, you know, flatter said, I lost my mind. And it's like, said, how dare you make it seem like she's not worth the money or that she somehow hasn't earned this. And this was actually the first real slap that Chapek got, uh, uh, the first of a series of slaps that Mr. Yep. Chapek got during his short tenure as CEO at Disney. And two months after she sued, very quietly, and in fact, roughly – a couple of weeks after Cosmo was born, Disney and Johansson settled. And they haven't necessarily revealed the terms, but the, the number that got bandied about is that Scarlett was given $40 million to be quiet. I will also shut up for $40 million, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. Go ahead. I'm far more negotiable <laughs> than that. You know, that, oh, okay. you know, I <laughs> A cool 20, there right? There we go. Uh, we'll we'll it, back it, off for 20. That. Um, <laughs> by the way, what's interesting from Scarlett's point of view is she now lives in the best possible world. She is still developing her Tower of Terror movie for Disney, and Taika Waititi is still slated to direct this thing. But on the other hand, she talks about how she's out in Los Angeles enjoying her life, and she says, I can't even walk through a restaurant without somebody saying, good for you, standing up for yourself. And I said, I see that it had a bigger impact. I get support from strangers who have no skin in the game at all. I do want to throw in here, because you mentioned Taika Waititi yep. as well. I want to say that the Disney company, and I'm not a Uber fan by any means, mm -hmm. but the Disney company yep. has got to be a really, I don't want to say great place to work, but I mean, imagine where... You know, Taika was working on Star Wars movies and then, you know, a different Star Wars movie didn't do well. And they go, hey, maybe we're not going to do these other things. And then they kind of push off all your plans and hopes and dreams. But they're still working for the company. They're still making projects. It's not like there's bad blood just because you get taken off of a thing. It doesn't mean that there's ill will with all of these people. It just means eh, timing's not right or something like that. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, there's a, a lot of times where we've seen a director get taken off a project and be like, I'll be damned if I ever work for those people again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, it just doesn't seem like, especially Scarlett Johansson, after suing a company, goes back and works for him. You don't go back and work for people that you hate with a passion. You have to have a group of likable people, creative people, like-minded, you mm -hmm. know, that, that want to create great entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so in that instance, good or bad, I'm, I'm happy that, if their projects get shelved for a little bit, at least they're still working with the company because one day those projects can always be revived. So I'm, I'm really happy that she's still working on Tower of Terror with Taika. Well, but more to the point, she's still a Disney super fan. In fact, this interview ended with her talking about, oh, I, I need to go text my sister. We, we have to go pre-buy our tickets to The Little Mermaid. So she's still in the House of Mouse, but... You know, as we were saying about all the WGA stuff right now, it, it's still an interesting time for the company. I mean, I and I have to say the one thing that is genuinely concerning me, Aaron, is I've been talking with friends in the industry. They're of a mind that this is not going to be a we're out for like four weeks and we resolve this. It seems like everybody's kind of hardening their position. And this is beginning to feel like a months and months one. Whatever it takes, you gotta you gotta put your foot down. 
So, and you know what? Mm-hmm. If people start suffering with bad entertainment as a result, mm-hmm. the public will start raising their voice about just give them the damn money. Mm-hmm. We're tired of the garbage that you're putting out on TV with no scripts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, whatever moves the needle in direction to get them their their fair share, absolutely. If it takes months, it takes months. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll be fine. Well, just remember the the last time there was a lengthy strike like this, we actually saw the the rise of a lot of reality television. And and the interesting thing is. A number of those slots, you know, that used to be for sitcoms or dramas or that sort of thing never came back. Well, yeah, and people like Zaslav said, you know, at Discovery Warner, oh, we don't need these scripted shows. We can do reality because it's cheap. You just send, uh, you know, naked and afraid. You don't even need clothes in the budget. You just need a cameraman and a bunch of naked people in the woods. Costs 13 cents to film. Right. I mean, yeah, there's going to be people that are going to take advantage of that because they're like, we need content. What can we do that's cheap and free? Speaking of which, speaking of naked people, I pay attention to what you say. So you were talking about your 32nd Street podcast and you were telling the story about the the Coca-Cola advertising and and how, you know, they supposedly hide the naked bodies in in the ice and the bubbles and the. And, and, and I was in front of a Coke vending machine just recently, and I began to get odd stares because I was trying to see them. You know, and it's just sort of like, you know, you say a little too hard at a vending machine and you draw a crowd. And it's just, I'm wondering, is it my prescription or am I just not seeing them? Actually, it, it, we've just recorded the episode, episode 20 coming out in a couple of weeks. We actually go down the, the vending machine and point out the different ice cubes. And we've got a picture so you can see what we're talking cool. about as we cool. do it. So we'll we'll solve that m- mystery for you once and for all here in a, in a couple of weeks. Very cool. And, and, and toward that end, what else are you working on with 32nd Street these days? This week, uh, we're talking about boycotts and Big Bubble. You know, some people were boycotting different things. They would buy, they would throw away one product and then go and buy another product from the exact same brand without realizing that it's a, a parent company. And it's just like, well, that's rather stupid. Um, so we tell you, if you want to boycott, by all means, you know, you want to vote with your dollar, vote with your dollar. But you have to be aware that sometimes one company owns a hundred other companies. And, uh, you know, if you want to, we mentioned one uh, Unilever as a oh, brand. It's like if yeah. you want to. Yeah, they've got like like two billion in sales per day because they've just got so many things. Like, if you want to boycott them, you can't brush your teeth, you can't scrub your shower, you can't have any cleansing products, no bathroom products. It's just there's so much that you have to cross off your list. And then, of course, the battle of Big Bubble Coke versus Pepsi and stuff like that. And and uh, so that's our next episode is boycotting and the battle of Big Bubble on Thirty Second Street. I don't know how much of a, a Kurt Vonnegut fan you are but there's a kurt vonnegut museum here in indianapolis is there really oh yes. okay yes, now i gotta is. go now i gotta go but it's just sort of like i are, are you familiar with, with the the one of the things that runs through his book the ramjack corporation you know supposedly at its height it owned 19 percent of the united states but the the ramjack mm. corporation owns everything and you know, just yep. when you're mentioning Unilever, you know, just sort of like you know, that, 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 yes, that, that Pepsi, which that's one know, of them. No, this is <laughs> just the Ramjack Corporation. You know, that whatever I get in a situation like that, I think in Unilever, Unilever, which is owned by Ramjack. So, yep. all right. 
Yep. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so seriously, folks, if you, you know, uh, if you enjoy what Aaron does here, you really want to check out, uh, you know, what he's doing with. Uh, by the way, your co- collaborator again on Thirty Second Street. Uh, you know, he- Ron Gold. It's a pseudonym, so he doesn't get in trouble because he's a he's a research scientist. Mm. And, uh, he's he doesn't want to get uh, fired for speaking truth. I, I, so, I get that, know. but he, Aaron, and Ron are doing such great work over there. So if you enjoyed the show, you definitely need to check out Thirty Seconds Street. And and by the way, we we also have another couple of podcasts here we'd love you to check out here uh, we of course have disney dish which i do with lentesta uh likewise fine tuning which i do with drew taylor who by the way has his own terrific podcast light the fuse about the mission impossible movies and then of course we have looking at lucasfilm brian gunn and i finally got a new one out the door and we're, we're working on a, a a new episode of that debut next week or thereabouts Beyond that, uh, where else can the nice folks find you, Aaron? Well, right now, you can just go to the same old Twitter place, at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. And before we wrap up, I wanted to throw one little nugget out there for our our local people in Indianapolis or the Indiana area. Very cool Marvel event coming that I wanted to make sure everybody's aware about. Uh, We're going to be going, my wife and I, are going to be going to the Butler Arts and Events Center, the Close Mm -hmm. Hall, uh, for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in concert. They're going to have a live oh, orchestra and I've DJ. And yeah. yeah, they're going to be playing the film and uh, the whole thing with a live orchestra and DJ. I'm very, very excited about it. I want to say it's October 3rd. Wow. So uh, get your tickets for it. If you're in the area, I'll see you at the venue. It will be flipping awesome. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wow. Okay. All right. Now back to the Twitters. Jim, where can we find you at? I'm on Twitter and and Instagram is Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And final thing as we head out the door, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but also 32nd Street, that would be terrific. And if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool, too. That would, you know, help us, you know, pay for tickets to see Into the Spider-Verse, you know, as a, a concert thing, which I have to check and see if that's coming to New England. But anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this week, folks. So thanks for listening. And Aaron and I will be back soon.